I'll cut it off like 10 seconds in. Welcome into Changing of the Times. I'm your host, Josh Dacey, alongside my colleague, David Ulek, and we're joined by Tyler Lindsay. We're boys, three weeks from tonight, about 15 minutes away, we'll be hearing our favorite sound, Selection Sunday, and March Madness will be rolled out with 68 teams. Guys, we through a COVID season, we've survived. And it looks like they are definitely going to – they've obviously moved the tournament to in, uh, Indianapolis, which is rare because – you always end up end up somewhere, but the road begins and ends this year in Indianapolis. David, your thoughts on that and what and how the how the college basketball season has kind of played out to this point? Well, I think the the one site makes a ton of sense in the sense of the the state of the world that we are in. If you can bubble them, it gives everything a real opportunity to start and finish. You know, I'm reading that there's going to be like four alternate teams on site. I guess for the first week, if some team comes down with COVID, they're just moving them out. It doesn't really matter who it is. Now, I'd love to see it be Gonzaga and then see make that decision. Hey, we're going to replace Gonzaga with um, Seton Hall. But um, Big Ron all, would love that. You know, I mean, you know, like all jokes aside, I'm just saying because I've seen like Seton Hall maybe like one of the first four out. So that's kind of like where I'm at with that. I know Big Ron would love that. But it's like – but I think it does give a real opportunity to – actually finish the season but i think before we get there we've got you know just so many different storylines that we're gonna get into that still have yet to play out what, what do you think coach i think there's a ton of storylines this is exciting in fact right now behind me is uh the, the second half of the iowa ohio state game both teams that you know i think ohio state's playing playing themselves into a one seed possibly them and michigan um, you know, I think the Big Ten as a whole has been very exciting to watch. Tyler, your thoughts on some of the things that you've enjoyed watching so far in the last college basketball? Well, first and foremost, I just like what y'all said. I mean, it's been great to just have a season. Um, you know, after especially the way we lost the NCAA tournament last year so abruptly, when all of it just came crashing down, uh, it's just been great to be able to have an, a semi-normal season. You know, it hasn't been completely normal, but it's been been as close to normal as we've seen out of sports, and that's been great. I personally, I've been on this train for a while now, as David knows. I think what we're seeing from this Gonzaga team is maybe some of the best offensive basketball we've ever seen. And so that's been a real joy for me this year is getting to watch them on a night-in, night-out basis because what they're able to do offensively, not only with their talent, but with their scheme, their tempo – all of that. It's it's been really really cool to watch. Uh, so that's I'm I'm really excited to see what they can do and matchups that they get going forward in the tournament. Also, back to the one site deal. It's going to be really intriguing because does it give the Big Ten an advantage since they're playing their conference tournament there? They always play their conference tournament there. It's their region type area. Um, if they do allow limited fans in, does that give them another advantage to an already strong conference? It's going to be really entertaining and interesting to see how the bubble affects and helps certain teams. I agree with you. I, I, I said that to David earlier this week. I, I can't believe how well Gonzaga's playing. I mean, just night in and night out, they just have it. And not it's not just one or two guys. It's multiple scores. And they, the way they pass the ball, the way they move it offensively, it's a team that has really gelled. Like, obviously, everyone talks about Jalen Suggs, but there's so many other players that are key on that team. And, and Mark Few, you know, he's just done a phenomenal job this year with the talent. Well, it's, they, have, they have almost the perfect amount of talent. Because, like, if you think about – like everybody talks about the, the Kentucky team that lost to Wisconsin, 
in 15, you know, that was so talented to have the nine NBA guys or whatever. Uh, they almost had too much talent, right? Bringing Devin Booker off the bench, right? You almost have too much talent. You're playing five and five out. Yeah, Gonzaga has almost the perfect amount of talent that fits together in a seamless manner, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. They all they all have a role and they all play with it. Sometimes when you get a lot of a couple of five major uh, high major kids, such as Jalen Suggs, he wants to be in the spotlight. He's part of a team. He's a very right. seems like he's a very team oriented guy, and that's what absolutely uh, the emergence of Kispert, man. What a what a player. What a career arc. Holy cow. Yeah, David, what's your thoughts on Kispert and how, how he's advanced? I mean, I, I just you, – you look at a guy that, you know, his first year he was something – He was – I'm, I'm looking up now, you know, six points a game, you know, goes to eight points, 13. Now he's at 19.5 and, you know, he's, you know, one percentage point away from pulling a 50, 45, 90 year, you know from the free throw line, he's shooting 89% from the line. I mean, he's doing things that no one has ever done. I think um, I was listening to the game and you just talked about Corey Kispert. An interesting fact is game last night is with the win last night, he became the all time winningest like player in percentage history of the NCAA, which is ridiculous for guys that have played like the guys who have played more than two years. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, I think like, you know, there were guys with like the Kentucky team one and Duns and stuff like that, but like two years or more, he's the winningest player by percentage in NCAA history, which is bizarre. And you know, if I saw if I saw the stat correctly last night, I think he's shooting Dave, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, like forty six from three on a ton of attempts and makes. Yep. And like sixty six or sixty three or something from two. Um, it's possible. I mean, he's 50, he's 50 something from the floor. Like his effective field goal percentage is true shooting percentage. I mean, his numbers have to be just outlandish. He's at, he's playing great. And like Mark few just has the right balance. And I think Mark few has been here so many times before he's almost, it's almost like he's been missing that one piece. And I think he actually has it. You know, David, I know you picked them earlier in the year to go all the way. Is it fair to say that it's going to, it's Gonzaga versus the rest of the field when we walk in? Uh, um, yeah, I think so because I mean, the the thing that you know everyone will, will always point out with the Gonzaga team, well, they run through the West Coast Conference. Well, shoot, they're almost more impressive when they played their out of conference games in a lot of ways. When they went up against the Iowas, the Virginias, Kansas, um, Kansas they run them out the gym. Even I know they really didn't have a good year, but they played Auburn, run them out the gym completely. You know. I know they didn't have Sharif Cooper at the time. I'm probably maybe forgetting a game or two, but you know they beat West Virginia in a game that they were kind of battle tested and didn't have a great game. Still win by seven, eight points at West Virginia. You know, so all the different knocks on them this, that you would normally have, well, they went out and they played the hardest out of conference schedule in my estimation. So, and then they've backed it up in conference. They haven't looked any less. So, I think it is fair. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, I, I'm, I was on the, I'm still on the villain of a train. I still think they have the opportunity. I definitely think they get to the final four, even though they have lost lately. They were hit by COVID and they were out for like three weeks. They lost today against Butler. I mean, it's hard to count count Jay out. He's got a, he's got a season team this year again uh, with Colin Gillespie as the as the point guard. I think they'll be ready come come the tournament time. 
and they will get back to where they're at. But Tyler, what are some of the teams that you're most impressed with or surprised about this year? We haven't even talked about Baylor yet. No, we have not. And, and uh, we're going to definitely talk. To, I, they're the number two team, obviously, in the country. Yeah, I think, and in my personal opinion, I know COVID has struck them. It seems like it struck them harder than it struck anybody of the major programs. Um, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think they've had three major COVID pauses. The last, yeah. one, was, the last one was 21 days without a single, like, organized activity. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just it's pretty wild that. They, uh, to me, it's them, Gonzaga, and Michigan are clearly far, far and away better than everybody else. And Michigan's one of the most impressive teams. Uh, it's like the what we saw out of them last year when Jawan first took over. Uh, you know, when they were so impressive and what they did were they in uh, Atlantis, I believe, yep. and they were so impressive there. You know, then they kind of faded away a little bit. But man, they are good. Michigan can really play. Their schematics are good. They have talent. The Dickinson kid can really play inside. That's a really, really sound basketball team. I love him. I love Wagner. Um, You know, the guard play is phenomenal. It's just, it's a fun team to watch. I love their offense. I love how they run their offense. They got a lot of motion with the bigs coming, diving hard Mm -hmm. in the basket. It's a fun team. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm watching right now Iowa, and, you know, Garz is just, he's, he's just a beast. He might go down as one of the greatest college players of all time. And they won't play a second in the NBA. Everyone, t- I know it's unbelievable. I'm watching draft boards, and he's nowhere even near it. It's unbelievable, Tyler. You don't think you don't think the true a true big man, even though with the success of uh, Joel Embiid, or he's because Garza shoots the ball well too. You don't see you don't see him playing in the NBA at all. David would know better than me, but I I don't see where he fits in the NBA now. I don't see how or where just because he's not as good of a player as like a Jalil Okafor was. He's not as skilled. And Jalil Okafor has really struggled to stay in the league. He's had to completely change his game. Well, I think I think the thing about Garza, if you watch an Iowa game, is um, people will be so impressed. Wow, this guy's great. This guy's great. This guy's great. And really, honestly, offensively, there's nothing other than great word you can use. But watch what happens every game, you know, on the defensive end. It's not like he's a struggling defender that, you know, he kind of messes up sometimes here and there. It's – the other team's focal point is literally go at Garza. Like, just watch it. And that's where you'll see in the NBA, like, guarding is at an all-time premium in a league that struggles to guard anything in the NBA. Everybody can score the ball in the NBA. So you have to find guys out there who can somehow get you those few stops every, you know, whatever it seems like. Defending and shooting. You know, and Luca Garza doesn't seem to be a guy that's anywhere capable Oh, David, is that. Hunter Dixon an NBA player then? Be- because he can move his feet. Luca Garza's uh, feet are stuck in cement. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he's got. I think Luca Garza probably has some. Um, I could be wrong. It looks like he's got short arms. You know, or yeah. either that, or either that, or a low shoulder base where he's got a big head and a long neck, and it just looks like something. You know, he just looks shorter than he really appears to be out there. Yeah, he's I, he's just a phenomenal player. I mean, he's yes. he is. Oh, he, he absolutely is offensively. I mean, footwork is amazing. He steps out, shoots it, posts it. You know, and also the thing about Garza, which I would question at the NBA level, is his physical finishes around the rim. Like when you start going against longer guys, like you know. Those 
those tight finishes, do those end up being blocked? Yeah. And, you know, I think that, but in college, I mean, you're not going to find too many better than him, if any. All right, guys, one of the trends that has happened throughout the season is, is, the, is the powerhouses like Kentucky, Michigan State, Dukes, I mean, even, even North Carolina, they've all struggled this year. How? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because Coach K came out and basically said in November, uh, after he lost two home games, that he didn't think they should have a season. It's clear to me he knew exactly what type of team he had. Uh, mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Why do you think these teams have struggled more than the other teams? Um, Tyler, Tyler, you go. Uh, I just think it's man. It's just one of those strange years, you know. Where we were talking you know, before the show about my team that I coach, and I talked about how it was a strange year. But I think it's just been a strange year for everybody. Uh, I, now, at some of the, your your traditional blue bloods that are struggling, you know, your Dukes, your Kentuckys, Carolina, those places, we're just seeing a lack of the ability to really be cohesive as a unit this year that you usually don't have. You know, those guys are are there from early summer on, and you're, you're able to build your team, you're able to develop your talent, this and that. And we've just seen, diff- because of protocols, because of the different things they've had to deal with with COVID this year, you're just seeing weird results and weird teams not and teams not coming together and being able to gel. And then you factor in the fact of some of these teams just aren't as talented as they thought they were going to be. Um, like, I don't, you know, Calipari and Kentucky, they're just not as talented as people thought they were going to be. Those yeah. guys that, that were top 20 guys that they recruited last year, aren't ready. I mean, they're just, they're just not good enough players. You know, BJ Boston's just not a good enough player. He's supposed to be their best player, their best scorer this night. He's just not good enough. Um, and so when you factor in both things together, I think that's when you get the perfect storm of things that we've seen this year. I mean, like look at Kansas, for instance, you know, we wouldn't consider Kansas to be struggling, right? You know, they, they beat Baylor last night, great performance by them. But I mean, Kansas is in a similar boat. I mean, Kansas is, is not the Kansas of usual. And it's because it's the same reasons. I mean, it's your COVID, it's all of that, but it's also, Kansas just isn't really all that talented. You know, they don't have a guy like a, a Devon Dotson, a Yudoka Azabuki. They don't have the, the guy that, that is, you know, an all-American perennial type player. They don't have an, a lottery pick talent on their team. And no. so when you put all those things together, you, you're going to see your traditional power struggle because, I mean, you're adding in the fact that, like, how many big-time guys does Baylor have? How many big-time guys does Gonzaga have? You know, there's only so much talent to go around. Well, the one thing I think the key factor is this: because of a, because of what you're talking about with protocol and all those guys getting on campus, most of those guys are working out during the summer and they're building that chemistry. And they didn't have that opportunity this year. Mm-hmm. And, both, and the teams that had have had success are teams like Gonzaga. They're, they're seasoned veterans like Villanova. These teams have come back. They're playing hard. Iowa, you know, these guys. Well, I mean, Michigan's young, but they've been around each other. There's a lot of there's there's some core guys there. A lot of cohesiveness yes. on this team. Yes, a lot of leadership, a lot of guys that have already gone through it, a lot of the guys that were in it in March last year when the season got canceled, and they mm-hmm. thought maybe this is our opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, you know, the, the, that's, that's from my perspective. I think that has a lot to do with it because even though things were out of sort, they all knew who they were, and they right. were all with each other. Like That's why freshman, uh, Jawan Kulvelli, uh, he transferred out of Villanova. He just couldn't pick up the system, and he mm-hmm. couldn't catch it, you know, and – now, granted, he's down in Alabama. Now, in my opinion, Alabama has been one of the most surprising teams all season with their playing and what Nate Oates has done down there. And he's arguably their best player. Yeah. David, what's your thoughts on Alabama and the SEC? Uh, I think a kid like Quinterly, it's like he, he it's a home run. Uh, match made in heaven, him and Nate Oates. I mean, couldn't it be two more cons- 
bigger contrast than Nate Oates and Jay Wright in the sense that, yes, they both like to play a five-out or four-out, one-in type of deal, but a kid like Quinterly was never going to be successful at Nova where they, they expect you pass, cut, pass, cut, you know, get in the lane, jump stop, look, all this stuff. Look at a guy like Quinterly. I mean, Nate Oates, he just lets these guys put the ball in their hands and dribble, 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 kind of similar to like what you would see with James Harden, obviously never as good as him, but just they just create the they create the play off the bounce and you know they spread you out and they are tough to guard because all those guys can beat you off the bounce and Nate Oates kind of is doing the same exact thing that he did in in Buffalo where he just has created a whole team of matchup nightmares for other teams to guard and. It's a, it's an exciting style to watch, especially you know for this Instagram era where you know they do like a lot of one on one play. It, it is kind of exciting to watch, in my opinion. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I mean, it's been exciting for me because obviously you look at Nate Oates. He was a high school coach at one point six seven years ago, and then gets the opportunity up in Buffalo, has success up there, and now he just worked his way into like earning three point three million dollars a year on that extension. So Alabama, traditionally a football powerhouse, has now have some basketball strength going in. And it's going to be fun to watch those guys in March. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the teams that, you know, are, have struggled or, or seem to be on the cusp, like like Indiana, like Georgia Tech, um, Minnesota, those guys, are, are they, do you think, how much how much they have to win down the stretch? Do, they, do you think a lot, some of them are really, you know, are they pushing the point where they it's win at all costs right now, these last couple of games to get in? Or do you think they have to go deep, make a deep run in their own conference tournament? David? Um, it depends. I think, I think Georgia Tech has looked really good. I mean, I, I really don't, I mean, I know they're kind of on the outside looking in. I think, but I think any team that, really is in that, like, last four in, first four out, even whatever, you know, last four, you know, like, basically your last eight in, last eight out. That's basically where I'm going to take, like, that 16 team. You got to win games in your conference tournament. I think that's always been kind of a consistent because, you know, in conference tournaments, you always see each year one weird result where some team outside the field in an at-large league, you know, steals a bid and you can't just go into your conference tournament and being in one of those 16 teams, whether you're in or out with eight either way and just go into your conference tournament and not win and expect to get in. So Tyler, I'm sorry, David. Go no, ahead. no, 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 Tyler, Tyler, Tyler you're down in Texas. Obviously there's a lot of good basketball being played down there. You know, what's the team that's most impressed you? Obviously for te- Texas Tech's had success lately with Chris Beard, you know, Shaka seems to be, Having a D all right year it was almost like if, I, I got to be honest. With you, I think if it wasn't for a COVID year, it would be a make it or break it year for Shaga. Yeah, you know, it's the Big Twelve is just weird, man. The Texas Tech is very good defensively, but there's they struggle in a lot of matchups and areas because they just can't score. The ball just doesn't go in the basket consistently. Um, they have one guy that can really score the ball, that's McClung, and he's had a good year, but. I mean, as we started to see through the second round of conference and as we'll see in the NCAA tournament, when you game plan for that guy and he's who you're relying on to create your offense, both scoring and assisting, getting other guys shots, you can, you can tend to struggle and get bogged down at times. Um, but a very good defensive team. Baylor's obviously the cream of the crop. We've talked about that. Uh, Houston's very good, but I, you know, I'm not sure we know exactly how good Houston is because they haven't played anybody. 
Um, I wasn't a big fan of the fact of, you know, when they had that cancellation and they scheduled Our Lady of the Lake and NAI school in San Antonio when they could have played Gonzaga. You know, Gonzaga put it out there that they would play them. They'd come to Houston and play them. Said no. You know, that would have been great. Let's see where we're at with that. Uh, Texas is a is a funny team. Texas has a lot of talent. You were talking about cohesiveness earlier and how that's making teams that have been together play a lot better this year because of the weird year. You know, Texas brought everybody back off their team last year that well, most people thought was going to get in the NCAA tournament after their late year run. And they and then added a, a future first-round pick in Greg Brown. You know, whether he comes out this year or next year, he'll be a first-round pick. And they played really well at the start of the year. But it's funny, as all Shaka Smart teams do at Texas, as the years progressed and people have scouted a little bit, it's turned back into on offense of dribble, 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 dribble. Oh, there's six seconds on the shot clock. Let me let me just shoot it. And so they've, they've, they're so uncreative and uninspiring offensively that it makes it hard to trust them, even though there is a lot of talent there. Uh, I would argue they have probably three of the – the Big 12 is a great league. They have three of the six best guards on their team. Um, but – do you really trust Shaka to get it done in the tournament? I don't know. I mean, he is a Final Four coach. Uh, did it with VCU. Um, but, yeah, it's amazing. I think I agree with you. I think Shaka is pretty much – he's pretty. he has – I'm disappointed with what he's gotten done down in Texas. David, the Big East, one of our favorite conferences, obviously, up here. You know, Seton Hall, you're a diehard. Um, yeah, Kevin Willard, great coaching job that he's done. Um, you know – you got Jay Wright, who I think I think is just awesome, uh, on and off the court. What have you liked about the Big East this year? Nothing. Okay. A- absolutely nothing. I think the Big East is terrible. I think it's it's a train wreck this year as far as a conference. I think Villanova, Villanova's not Villanova. You know, Seton Hall is like okay. I I also I personally think part of the thing with the Big East this year is that. You know they'll, they'll they'll get a little respect, but you know the the conference we watch the conference games are just terrible. They look low level compared to where they have been in the past. I mean, you know the old adage anyone can win on any night. It's because there aren't that many good teams in the Big East. I mean, yeah. I, you know, Butler won today, and that's one of the teams I think is absolutely terrible. And they beat Villanova. Yeah, they got hot. They were shooting a yeah, lot of three. Yeah, oh, of course. I mean that's. No doubt about it. You're 100% right. You know, but Butler's not a good team. And they and they have beaten, you know, Villanova and Creighton. But yet they're still like this team that I think they're like 9 and 13. I mean, I don't know. I think that there isn't going to be a team that makes a deep run in this tournament. Villanova probably gets to the Sweet 16 and out from there, in my opinion. Just based on the fact that they're seeding, they should get their first two rounds should allow them. They won't go up against the powerhouse, but I, I don't see much from the Big East, to be honest with you. The Big East has a big talent issue. There's just not yeah. a lot of good players. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. There's a lot of kids that you know I've worked with at Under Armour that they're they're on some of these Big East teams, like Miles Cow, who's who's a stud. Uh, he's a pretty good player at Seton Hall. Um, but Brian Antoine, who was a projected at one point a lottery pick, like one or two, he hasn't done anything. Like he barely comes off the bench at Villanova. Uh, Eric Dixon, who was a 2,000-point scorer, barely comes off the bench at Villanova. Um, he, he was actually playing – he played with Quimley, um, who transferred out of Villanova. It's it's interesting. They're, you're right. They're, I don't know what's going on, like, with regard to that. So, um, I, I you know, Connecticut's Connecticut. 
Um, I'm glad to see that they're back in the Big East. Um, well, another conference that I like to talk about is the Big Ten. And like I said, we touched on it earlier, Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, what other teams do you think in the Big Ten, Tyler, you can make a run in, in the tournament? I'm a big fan of Illinois. I think okay. Illinois, I mean, I mean, Brad Underwood's a hell of a coach. Uh, proven track record in the NCAA tournament. Very good on a game-by-game matchup basis. Uh, I think they have enough talent, enough high-level talent. Uh, so, you know, if Io gets back healthy, like everybody assumes he will, between him and uh, Coburn inside, I mean, there's there's enough big-time talent there to win you a game. And their role players are good, too. And so when you factor that in, you know, that they have the lottery picks, they have the coaching, and then they have the talent in their role players that's kind of the recipe you look for for a team that can make a run in March. And then also, like we talked about earlier with the conference tournament being in Indianapolis, I mean, they're going to be in a rhythm and be comfortable there. You know, that's an area that's very comfortable for your Illinois, your Indianas, your Michigans, your Ohio States, right? So I, I think Illinois is really good. I, I think Illinois is way better than Iowa. I think Iowa's a fake team. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think Iowa's good. Um, and – I'm pretty sure David agrees with me on that, but no, yeah, no, 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 you know I do. I don't think Iowa. My 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 biggest problem with Iowa will just always come on the defensive side of the ball, and it's not just guards. I just don't think that they possess the team to get enough stops consistently. I mean, they they could shoot you out the gym on any night. So, but that doesn't seem to translate because they're not they're not absolutely prolific offensively with a prolific guard that, you know, the guard play that even Gonzaga has with Suggs or something like that. The guard play is actually suspect in some ways. You just have the best big man. But I agree with Tyler. I think Illinois is – for me, Illinois is the team that, even though we've seen it, they – I don't know, actually. Did, did they play Gonzaga, Tyler? Illinois? I don't believe so. I know I would. Okay. They played Baylor, and they struggled. I know that. Yeah. Okay. Illinois is kind of Jekyll and Hyde. You know, they – they are that team that could lose like the the two versus fifteen game if that's where they end up, but they they just they match up like they they could be that team that potentially could be Gonzaga. I'm not picking it, but they they have the players everywhere around the floor. I mean, they're kind of very similar to Gonzaga talent wise. It just maybe just they don't execute as well, but but they're, yeah, well, they're very impressive. What about what's your thoughts on Wisconsin? You think they're underrated? You think they're overrated? They got five seniors. Uh, they have I mean, some- I think they're not very good. I, I think this year, I mean, there were they had a lot of hype coming into the year, but last year they kind of struggled. You know, you know, if you go back to 2019-20, they weren't like the the typical Wisconsin team that you kind of have remembered. You know, you know, yesterday they get they get beat by Illinois, who did not have Iowa Desumu. You know, so they were a little bit undermanned and, you know, I don't know what the final score was. Maybe it was five or seven, but it really didn't ever feel that close to game. This game felt out of reach, even at the five or seven mark all game. I think Wisconsin has lost to Iowa lately. Well, I'm looking at their schedule right now. Let's run through what they've done against the Big Ten's premier teams. They lost to Michigan last week. Lost to Ohio State by 12. Lost to Illinois by 15 the first time. Lost to Michigan last week. Lost to Iowa by 15. Lost to Illinois again. So you tell me, does that sound like an average team or does that sound like a good team? It sounds like a very average basketball team to me. Exactly, it does. Absolutely I mean, does. 
I I do like the fact that they do have the experience. So it is a team that I mean they're experienced at guard with Tryson Davidson, but is Tryson Davidson really that good? Oh, I I don't disagree. I think it is kind of the blueprint of a team that sometimes you know out of nowhere puts it together. But I just don't see the actual players themselves being good enough to put it together. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I I, I would also agree with that. Um, then you got the teams out west, UCLA and USC are back to their form. They're, they seem like they're the only two teams that could make it out. Possibly Colorado. Any thoughts on those two teams? USC's had a great year. They had a great player. I think SC's good. You do. You think they yeah. can make a run? I think. I, you know, I mean, define a run. I mean, do they? Can they? Can they get to the Sweet Sixteen? Sure. Um, I mean, I would. I would throw them in that same boat that you know you put your your West Virginias, your Texases. Oklahoma's those people in. I mean, can any of them beat anybody in the first two rounds? Absolutely. Could they lose anybody? Absolutely. But what USC has is they have the best player on the floor every night. Yes, they do. Because the, Mo- the Mobley kid's the best player on the floor. Hands down. I mean, they're saying and, projected top two, top three lottery pick. And unless they play Oklahoma State, he's going to be the best player on the floor every night. That, 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 that's very true. I, th- I think um, – I, I I like USC. I mean, I, I've been high on USC's program for maybe a little bit too high for the last few <laughs> years. I mean, at times, you know, so, sometimes my my double downs on them have been a little bit too much. But you know, I, I just think that you know, Enfield has built a pretty good program. I think it always does kind of lack the dynamic guard. It just always seems to just lack a true point guard, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, Jordan McLaughlin was nice a few years ago, and they always have like a guy here or there. But you know, it's like he gets so much talent at times. But it, it, I just don't see how a guy like that in LA never gets guard play. And you know, UCLA lost their best player in um, Charles Smith uh, maybe like two, three weeks ago. So they're pretty good, but I think it's I think it's going to limit them ultimately. If that makes sense, Colorado is limited in a lot of capacities, also. But yeah, USC to me is the only team that could actually make a deep run in March. I don't think that they will make a deep, deep run, but maybe Sweet Sixteen. How disappointing is Arizona State? Oh my gosh! Yeah, you know it's funny. So I was I was talking to a buddy of mine who we were talking about like certain coaches who were like in their seventies, and they're saying, "Okay, who's who's the heir apparent? Who's going to replace?" So and so, and this is like right before the season started, and people were telling me Bobby Hurley was going to replace Coach K, like hands down. That's what's going to happen. I don't see that happening at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't. Mm-hmm. And and the run, this has been a bad year. I don't, I don't get it, Tyler. Like I don't get it. You know, I saw the game where they they hit a buzzer beater last night, um, but you know they've struggled. They've struggled a lot. I mean, and we're talking about having good guards. I mean, they have two supremely talented guards in Martin and Josh Christopher. Well, it seems to, it seems to me that Bobby Hurley, since he's gotten to Arizona state now, is this year three or four now? I'm not exactly. It's four. Okay. It seems like he always, you know, he's kind of teeters on this edge or he tries to recruit these high talented kids, but like Christopher, it seems like, you know, one one reason or another, it seems like there's a discipline issue there. There's a little bit injury issue, but when you see Christopher on the floor, he looks disengaged from his teammates a little bit. I question how good of a teammate he actually is. I don't know if he's a bad person per se, but he seems he seems a tad body language would present itself as a tad selfish. Mm-hmm. You know, 
And, you know, you look at the, his team, like you got Alonzo Verge who can score with anybody, but is still, you know, put the ball on the floor and this, that, the other thing. And then you have a guy, who, a four-year starter in Remy Martin, who just, you know, sometimes seems to be taken out of the game by his own teammates in the sense that you've got a point guard, an all-conference point guard, possibly an all-American point guard, who doesn't seem to get a shot up for five, six, seven minutes. And I don't know if that's on Remy Martin or what, but it seems to be weird bunches that he recruits, you know. And all these guys who are supposed to be ultra-talented, but yet he hasn't really won anything yet. And I agree with you, like, Coach. It's like his dad gives him the ultra name and Bobby Hurley. I know he's not a – I know he was never a college coach, but Bobby Hurley's thought of right up there with your Coach K's as far as respect in the coaching world. I mean – I mean, who doesn't respect Bobby Hurley and what he did at St. Anthony? So he's got the name to go with it. But I would argue that his brother Danny is just a far superior. I I, I, I don't even think it's like – I agree. Like, I think he's better. I'll put it this way. I think it's so far superior that I think Bobby Hurley lives off the Hurley name in Duke as a coach more than that Danny Hurley can at least – you know, you kind of forget that he's Bobby's son. You know, um, Bobby Hurley, senior son. And, so and, that's where David, I'm kind of at with it. David, it's interesting. And, and speaking of Bobby Hurley, I know for a fact uh, his father was the advisor for for when Rutgers was looking for a head coaching position a couple of years ago. And he advised his son, Danny, not to take the job because he was having success at Rhode Island. And the one guy that I'm very happy because I, I think the world coach was Steve Peichel at Rutgers. The job that they're doing uh, this year, I definitely believe they would have gotten the tournament last year. I think they're gonna. I, I love Ron Harper Jr. I think he should be mentioned. He might be on maybe a second or third team All American team this year. Um, Rutgers, David, that's in your backyard. You know, speak to them right now. What do they have to do? Can they make it? Can they make a run? Even though, can they make a run in the tournament? Get to the Sweet Sixteen? Are they a one and done type team? I mean. I've seen games with them that I've been very impressed with. I've also seen them getting blown out at times. Okay, so so here here's here here's where Rucky Rutgers making any sort of a run is going to become tricky. All right. Okay. All right. I see Lenardi right now hasn't projected as a, has a, them projected as an eight. Yep. Most people would know being an eight nine is a one <laughs> is the kiss of death ultimately, and even a seven. And a 10 is a lot of times a kiss of death, depending on which two you match up with. So are they going to do enough to get up to a six? I don't think outside of basically getting to a final and, you know, a final of the big 10, they they get to a six and probably there they might shoot up to a five or four. And, you know, so then it's like, are they – would they lose a few games? Obviously, you never got to lose games for seeding because you don't know where the hell you are. They would have to lose games. I think that they might be in the kiss of death region of where they might actually end up stacking up. Mm-hmm. And that's just my ultimate opinion. You start looking at it, it's like, yeah, they are an eight seed. It's kind of like right, about 30 seconds, anywhere from like your your 28th to your, you know, your 36th best team in the nation. I don't think many people argue that, you know. That's about and, what they are. Yeah, it's like, are they going to lose enough games and then stay in the tournament to get down to like a 11? 11. You know, not something you want to do, by the way, lose games and be on that bubble, obviously, and then be in the bye game. I, I think that I don't see them making a run. I think they kind of are going to be stuck in a, you know, win the first round if they win the first round matchup, and then it will be done. 
Then, yeah, then you get like a Zaga, Baylor, Michigan. Yeah. yeah, I just think that they could get stuck in that kiss of death. Okay, so let's stay with that for a second. All right. So because let's say that they are, and they're matched up with a, an Ohio State or a Michigan projected number one seed. All right. How much of an advantage does that play? Because they already played them twice. And then and they're really not traveling. They're in the same spot. They're familiar with the play in the big. They could possibly play them three times uh, if they play them in the Big Ten Conference tournament. Would that put them in an advantage if they're locked in playing that playing one of those teams? I mean, maybe. I mean, I think Rutgers this year has kind of proven that. Um, I think Rutgers is kind of very similar. I mean, for for forget exact teams, I think they're kind of very similar to Wisconsin. Even not quite as good as that. They've kind of proven, basically, we can beat the lower teams, you know, the lower teams in the Big Ten, which are pretty damn good teams, you know, at the end of the day. You know, your Indianas, your Northwesterns, your Michigan States, I think they've beat in Minnesota. They can beat those teams. I think they even beat Illinois early, early in the year, if I'm not mistaken. But, like, since that point, they've, they haven't had a big win. And, you know, I think they just kind of are what they are. <clears throat> can they have an upset? Sure. I don't see it happening. Tyler, are there any mid-major teams that all of a sudden they're going to be like a Florida Gulf Coast? They're going to be like a, um, a Western Kentucky. Is there a, a mid-major team out there that's going to make a run and go, well, this is the best part about March Madness. You got Belmont in the Sweet 16 or a, or a team that a team a team of those type of calibers like a Siena or, or, or I don't right. know. There I go and say, Loyola, Illinois. I Loyola, Illinois is a sleeper. I think they're pretty good. Not anymore, but what I'm saying is like. Oh, in the past, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, I I think that's where the bubble is going to really hurt some teams. I think we have a chance to see more first-round upsets this year than we've ever seen before because of the you know, usually we have the pod system and the higher seeded teams play closer to home. They have a fan base, this and that, you know, um, travels a little bit better for them, all those things. So I think there's a chance we see some first, second round upsets maybe. Um, but I also think because of the bubble this year, because everybody's going to be playing under the same rules, same location, same everything, uh, I think we're going to get the most – trying to the best what it says. If I gave you a list right now and said pick your eight, the eight best teams in the country, and we all, and we handed it out to a hundred people, I think we would get one, you know, ten, maybe eleven teams. And I think this year, because of the bubble, we're going to see one of the, those four teams. Four of those teams are going to be in the final four because the the best teams are going to win out when all the when everything is equal. We're all playing the same places. We're all being treated the same. We're all going through the same day to day stuff. The best teams are going to win out. There's no UMBC this year. No. Uh, that's not happening. No, I, 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 I agree. I don't think that there's going to be, I think one, I think two teams to keep a real close eye on that, you know, aren't brand names Winthrop. Mm-hmm. I think it's a team that, I think it's a team that could make a sweet 16 run, depending on once again, it will rely on them being seated around a 13 or a 12 because you get those four, that four or five matchups. Yeah. Actually, once again, anything, anything lower can, will be hindrance. Another team that I watch and I really like when I watch them, but once again, at best you're talking sweet 16, probably it's, um, um, Santa Barbara, um, 
California Santa Barbara. I think that's a, a real good team with a lot of talent. So those are two. Joe be proud, David. Yep. I mean, it's just two teams that I think have a real good chance of if you were going to say, hey, put, put a gun to my head, two teams that could do it then. But I agree with Tyler completely that the bubble will take – Similar to what you saw in the NBA, I think it takes a lot of, um, you know, the variables out of it. Yeah. You mean uh, there's not a Southland surprise like Stephen F. Austin coming this year to, to run the show? Southland is extremely, extremely, extremely weak this year. Very. It's so top heavy. And I don't even think the top is that good, but it's not. The unbalanced schedule really has not done any favors to the Southland teams because you don't know who's good and who's bad. So Tyler, you're, you're, who would be your national player of the year right now? I mean, it's got to be guards, doesn't it? I think so, David. Um, I think I think most likely it's Garza. The the only other name I'm going to throw out there, just because of the success of the team potential, I think it's been gaining steam. The more and more I see it, but it's going to be Garza. It's probably Drew Timmy. Other than That's that. Right. I, I was going to say, if I was picking somebody, I would pick Drew Timmy, but I think it's going to be Garza. I, I have seen that one pick up, picking up a lot of steam lately. I think Drew Timmy's a hell of a player. Yeah, but, but and it's very rare that you get to see a back-to-back player of the year. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. within the one and done. Who's the coach of the year this year? Well, if they go undefeated, it's got to be Mark Feud, doesn't it? Yeah, I would, I would say so, too. Is there anybody like that's going through the COVID process, like they battle through it? You kind of go like, well, Scott, could Scott Drew be it because of how many times they've gone through it? Um, yeah, I mean, he <laughs> Scott Drew could be it if um, Gonzaga drops a game before before the NCAA tournament. I don't think that they're going to lose in their conference tournament. I think Gonzaga, all the coaching awards are going to be Mark Fuse. I mean, it might would help Scott Drew if he would quit blaming COVID and COVID protocols every time something bad happens to them, also. It's not. It's not good optics. <laughs> it's not good optics. We, we were the best shooting team in the country, and then we found our kryptonite. I guess COVID protocols. Yeah. Probably not the best thing to say after you lay a fucking egg on ESPN. <laughs> I did like that line. I read that this morning. I, I I found that rather humorous. All right, David. When we're ra- we're gonna wrap this up soon. Um, what, what down the stretch? Who who's the teams that you're watching down the stretch? Um. I'm trying to think, you know, th- there's gonna be there's gonna be different reasons. We're gonna look at a list of teams right here. A team like Oklahoma to me, I, I watch down the stretch. It's gonna be interesting. I mean, I'm not gonna just name the best teams. Do to me, they're not that good of a team. I want to see how they finish the season. I think you know, they're kind of ranging in that two to three range. I know they lost the other day, so they're probably more maybe three. Could they end up falling to that five six range with a series of losses? A team we haven't talked about that I'm actually very high on, Florida State. If they make a big run, you know, win the regular season, win the conference tournament, I think they are the best team in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Could they potentially, you know, out of nowhere, a team that you wouldn't have assumed all year become a one seed? You just never know. I mean, Ohio State has played themselves off the one line this week. Um, Alabama, if they don't win the t- tournament, they might not be there. So, and one more team, let's see, you know, Kansas. They've kind of been this late push as of late. Are they going to 
can they parlay this into potentially winning the Big 12 tournament? I don't think that they will, but if they did, out of nowhere, do they get on a two-line for a team that supposedly had a terrible year? A terrible by Kansas' standards, not by yeah. everybody else's. That's just phenomenal. Tyler, what about yourself? Who are the teams you can't be an eye on? I'm really interested to see how, and David touched on a little bit, see how the Big 12 race shakes out. Because top to bottom, it's the deepest league in the country. It's probably going to have, percentage-wise, per capita-wise, going to have the most teams in the NCAA tournament, um, according to how many teams are in their conference, how many teams will make it. Uh, I, I'm really curious to see how it shakes out because we've seen a lot of fluctuation throughout the year in the Big 12. The only thing that's been consistent the whole year is Baylor, right? Um, you know, and so I'm really, really curious to see how it shakes out because, you know, there's 10 teams in the Big 12 in the Big 12 tournament. Man, somebody's going to get the seven seed in the Big 12 tournament and it's going to be pretty pissed off. So it's going to be really interesting and fascinating to see how that plays out because sometimes you, you get the seven seed in the Big 12 tournament may be the five seed in the NCAA tournament. You know, so it, it's just, you know, that's the way it, it goes sometimes. So that'll be fascinating to me. And then I, I'm really curious to see. Uh, we talked about the mid majors a little bit earlier. Some surprise, but you know, there's a couple of teams out there that I really enjoy watching that I think could make some noise. You know, your Liberties, Furman, uh, Western Kentucky with Charles Bassey still there. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm always getting fascinated to watch those teams, assuming they can take care of business in their conference tournaments um, to see, you know, what, if they can make any noise in the NCAA tournament because those are all three well, very well coached teams um, with a ton of talent. Uh, and the last thing for me is to see, I want to see if the Missouri Valley can be a multi-bed league this year. I think there's a real chance, a real possibility. I want to see if it can happen. I think that'd be really cool. We, we, Go ahead, David. No, I so said we, we, we should have brought in our resident Rover for a comment on that one because he's a big Missouri Valley fan. Um, maybe next time in our podcast, we'll bring in a Missouri Valley expert <laughs> in Spencer Grossinger. But <laughs> He's actually in the Missouri Valley right now. Uh, Ohio Valley. Oh, he's in the, that's right, the Ohio Valley. He's, he's, yeah, just a, he's in a valley of life. <laughs> he's visiting Austin P. I don't think it's going to work out, but uh, you know, we always Spencer's always on on. We're as as all of us are. We're on our own path. So, anyway, David, fun. We'll touch base before we get started on March Madness. Let's take us oh, out. I think yeah, we're, we are going to. I think we'll do a show. Hopefully, get Tyler back on. If not, we'll we'll bring someone else. But hopefully a show before the real start of championship week um, next week. You know, there will be a few conference tournaments that start this week. But for me, it's always, you know, the week before the selection Sunday is the real conference tournament week. Everything before that is fake. And if you guys. It's the greatest part about, I, I think it's the greatest. We're entering the greatest time in sports right now. Absolutely. Madness in March. Oh, with, without a doubt. And until next time, guys, this will be changing other times.